are in the middle of the week, we are nearing the end of the month, and we are already counting down even deeper and deeper into our Bengals' top 25 players for 2023. We're out of the 20s, we're into the teens at number 19, and this is a guy who we have talked about so much, who you can't talk enough about because uh, there's a lot to talk about with this guy, and that is... Soon to be, emphasis on soon to be, right tackle Jonah Williams, who was at number 19 on our list, right behind, or uh, right ahead of Nick Scott, who was at number 20, who we talked about on Tuesday. So, yeah, Jonah Williams is in a very interesting place uh, in his career, but of course, he's still good enough to make the list. Was he high enough? Was he too low? You know, we're going to have all those questions answered right here on this special edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Welcome into another hump day edition of the podcast, Muhammad Ahmad, yours truly, with you alongside Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizalik. Well, it's Nizalik, but I don't know. I just thought it sounded cool. Nizalik. Does anyone ever say that, Mike? Is it? Do people just say Nizalik? Have you heard Nizalik? Do, do you ever get a mixture of the two? Niz is the other one, but... Uh, Niz? No, Nizalik? No, just not Niz. N-I-Z. Oh, they're just Niz. Okay. Yeah. Mike Niz. I like that. It's got, it's got a nice ring to it. Mike Niz. Okay. Yeah, okay, no, that was just cool. I just it rolled off my tongue like that. But yeah, we got Mike Niss on the pod here with us. And um, we have read some really cool fan responses uh, on why people are Bengals fans and why they are diehard Bengals fans. Uh, so tell us why you're a Bengals fan. Like, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. I mean, be as bold as you want to be. Uh, keep it PC because obviously um, we're – we have a broad audience, but yeah, make it fun. Make it interesting. Go to strictlystripes.com uh, and click on the link that says why I'm a Bengals fan. Tell us your story of why you're a Bengals fan. And if it's easier instead, uh, you can email us your story at stripes at cleveland.com. Uh, we've gotten a mixture of both Google doc responses, uh, Google form responses and emails. We've already gone through four. We're probably going to get through some more later this week. Uh, and we're definitely going to keep going through the rest of them uh, going into training camp. Take a, take a little break from those responses today to talk a lot about Jonah Williams because, um, again, there is just so much on this guy going into his fifth and probably, honestly, likely his final year with the Bengals, uh, competing at right tackle pretty much alongside Jackson Carmen. And, again, I say competing with a 65 60 70% chance that he's going to win the job. Um, but let me ask you guys this. Let, let's assume – you know, they don't sign Orlando Brown and Jonah Williams is still your left tackle going into 2023. How much would that have changed your all's ranking for him on this list? So I want to ask you guys this though, because this is where I feel like I want to start with this, this discussion with Jonah Williams. Let's assume a world where Orlando Brown doesn't get signed and Jonah Williams is your starting left tackle uh, for next year. How much or how little does that affect where you have him on the list? Uh, not at all, frankly. Um, you know, I, I, I actually think that, um, you know, the position it, it, I think it, I mean, maybe, maybe it hurts him, um, you know, just a little bit, or it would help him to stay at left tackle because, you know, you are kind of making a move over to the right side. But like, I think, you know, there, there is this general misconception, misconception amongst fans amongst you know people that watch the nfl in in any capacity that kind of just assume oh well you know if you're an okay tackle you're going to be a really good guard or you know if you're if you're good on the left side you're going to be really good on the right side or something like that you know i I just think that people kind of think that there are different um 
you know, different levels to the offensive line, just because you look at left tackle and you say, Oh, the blind side, that's, that's the best tackle. Well, it's not really the case anymore. Um, you know, there, there are so many different left ta- or left tackles in the league that, you know, are not as good as their, their counterparts on the right side. I mean, like when they play the Steelers this year, Jonah Williams is going to have to block TJ Watt, like the, the play where TJ Watt in Pittsburgh, like kind of climbed the ladder and, and jumped up over Lael Collins, like, that's a play that Jonah Williams is going to have to, to to defend against, which is obviously impossible, but you know, you're going to have to do that. So yeah, I, I wouldn't really have him, uh, you know, kind of any different. I don't think, um, you know, I think it's, it's a transition that's going to be difficult, but you know, he's kind of known it was coming since March. It's not something where, you know, it, it, it happened in, in August and they're like, Hey, actually Jackson Carmen's is, is the better left tackle. So let's try and move Jonah to the right side. Like, this is something that you can train for that he has been training for. Um, you know, it, it's it's not a totally foreign position to him. Um, you know, he played it a little bit at Alabama before moving to the moving to the left side. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think you could make a slight case that it would, you know, you know, you could rank him a little bit higher if he was still going to be the left tackle just because it's a familiar position. But again, r- right tackle is still a really, really difficult position to play in the league. And for a team that passes this much, he's going to end for, you know, in a division with this many good pass rushers, you're going to have to play really well. And I, and I just think that, you know, he's, I think he's ready for a, for a bounce back year considering everything he went through in 2022. So um, I think he'll be fine, but again, it's uh, it's not going to be an easy challenge for sure. I think it would have been a couple spots. Cause I think it would, for me, not necessarily, you know, a huge jump jump, but he would, wouldn't be competing for a spot. Um, he'd have a starting spot sort of locked up. And I do think you have to take into account. I mean, in theory, um, he could lose out. Um, I think that's unlikely, but I mean, it's possible. Um, so I, I think it lowers him a little bit, but not terribly, you know, you know, not, not too much. Um, but he does have to sort of earn his way here. Um, but I, I still think he'd be ranked behind those other four offensive linemen that we haven't mentioned yet. You know, the starting, uh, or three in, in the case they didn't sign Orlando Brown, the returning starters. Um, so like I said, it would maybe a few spots, but nothing that would sort of shake up uh, the list. So looking at what you guys had versus what I had, I had Jonah Williams at 21. So not too far off, like two spots below where he, we ended up having him. And I know Andrew, you had him a little higher at 17. Uh, and Mike had him a little bit higher as well at 18. So, yeah, I mean, again, just based on the aggregation we made from all of our answers, 19 is where he ended up uh, ultimately landing. So I'm just kind of looking at um, at your list here, Andrew. I'm just curious, why why did you think he was worthy of being two spots higher on your list, on you know, at number 17? Uh, well, on, um, you know, I think, you know, when you kind of look at, when you when you look at this list, the, the, you know one of the I, there were a couple of different things I tried to take into into account here. Um, you know, I mean, I, I had him above. Um, you know, w- when I did my rankings, I actually had him above Cordell Volson. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to look here and see. Uh, Mike did not do that, and uh, oh, Muhammad, wow, you had him high. Yeah, I had him uh, all the way at twelve. <laughs> yeah, so you you didn't do that either. So. You know, I, I think, you know, I thought Cordell played really well, uh, toward, especially towards the end of the year. Um, but again, I just I, I, I have him. I feel good about Jonah going into 2023 because there, there's a couple different things, I think, working in his factor. One, frankly, he's pissed off. Um, you know, he's 
he's he's dealing. And he should with, be. He should yeah, be a little he, bit. Sure, and and I and I don't think. Yeah, I'm not saying that's unfair of him um, to feel that way. You know, I, I mean, you're you're dealing with a situation where the team signed over you. They they replaced you in free agency and didn't even and, tell you about it. Well, yeah, and and he feels you know he he feels upset about the way that the front office kind of handled that. You know, and and he wasn't you know inflammatory he wasn't explosive he just kind of stated his case and said look here's why i'm upset here's what i thought should have happened and it didn't happen and that's why i'm upset so he, he's really upset um and, and not really upset but he, he he's got he's motivated he's got a chip on his shoulder going into 2023 um he's entering a contract year uh which is really big because i think if jonah doesn't play well at right tackle that really really hurts him going into the offseason because then you've got a position where, okay, well, the only position that you've seen him have success at in the past is at left tackle. And in 2022, you know, he was hurt. There were some periods of rough play by the entire offensive line. Like if, if you play well at right tackle in 2023, you, you, I think you just absolutely in, like, I mean, there's really not a number you can place on it to say that this guy is, is now way more marketable and way more desirable as a free agent because you can play left and right tackle and it just opens up a whole new world of possibilities for you. And, and the third thing is he's healthy. Um, You know, he, he dislocated his kneecap against the Ravens. He didn't miss that many plays. Uh, You know, I think it was like a handful of plays, single digit plays. Yeah. And then he comes back and, you know, I, I do think that that bothered him maybe more than, more than was was known. I, I I am curious to see, uh, you know, if he says anything about that, like how much that bothered him in the in the immediate aftermath of that uh, of that Ravens game. And oh god, what was that? Week five, week six, whatever that was. Yeah, I, week five. I think that I think that that did bother him. So I think that there's just a number of things going in his favor right now. I think he's going to be given every every chance to win that right tackle job. And if he does that, I mean, I, I just I I have a really good feeling about Jonah playing well in 2023. Now. I don't think that that'll mean Jonas necessarily, you know, stamping his ticket back to the Bengals in 2024. I actually make the argument that if he plays really well, he almost certainly will not be a Bengal in in 2024. I think if he plays, you know, okay, I think that there's a better chance he'll be back, um, you know, than if he plays really well. But yeah, I I, I do think Jonah is going to have a nice little bounce back year. And um, I am I am fairly high on him going into 2023. Wait, so you think if he doesn't play well, he actually could be back in Cincinnati? Well, it, so not not play well is is different than than fine. Like I, I like I think if you if you get plus level play from Jonah Williams, he's gone because you know he's gonna get you know like I, I just don't know if the Bengals are gonna be able to give genuine starting tackle money to another guy in the offseason. I mean, you've spent on on Alex Kappa, you've spent on Ted Karras, you've spent on Orlando Brown. Now are you going to spend on Jonah Williams with Burrow, with Higgins, with Chase, you know, with with all these guys kind of coming up on big deals? I, I just don't know if you can fiscally do that. Um, but if, if he's fine, I think that, you know, you can feel okay about maybe re-upping for a year or two, you know, going into 24 and 25 at, at a not insane cap number. Um, obviously, it takes two to tango there. Maybe he feels more comfortable taking a similar dollar figure from another team. This is just, I mean, this is all hypothetical, but, you know, I think that if he's fine, you know, you, you, the Bengals can the Bengals can live with fine on the offensive line right now, especially at right tackle, considering what they added at left tackle. Um, but if, if, if Jonah's good, 
I, uh, I think that that's going to be the end of the line for him in Cincinnati. And I think if he's bad, that's going to be the end of the line for him in Cincinnati. I think if you get kind of middle of the pack play from him, then, uh, then you're actually kind of opening up a door where he can return. I'll make it even simpler. I think he's gone. Like even middle of the pack, he's done. I don't think he's coming back. Like no matter how good or how bad or how middle of the road he is, I think he's out. I mean, you think he's going to come back after like what happened with the front office? I, I think he's done. Now, obviously, he didn't show that anger. I mean, he handled it, you know, with grace when he talked about it to the media when he came back for phase three workouts. But, I mean, deep down, I think he said to him, he's probably saying to himself, I'm taking my money, playing, and leaving. Because here's the thing. If he plays middle of the pack, he can go somewhere else and probably make the same money the Bengals would give him, don't you think? Yeah, well, sure. Um, You know, but, I mean, at at some point, one, time heals all wounds, and two – what not happens, always, not always. What, what happens if the Bengals do the same thing that they did last year? You know, like what like what happens if the Bengals lose in the AFC title game or in the AFC divisional round and there is kind of a feeling of, of unfinished business and T. Higgins gets an extension and Joe Burrow gets an, his extension and all of a sudden and Jamar Chase gets room, one next year. Yeah, like you're, you're kind of looking. Well, I, I just for now, well, let's say that Higgins and Burrow, just in this in this hypothetical made up world, let's say that they get their extensions, and all of a sudden Jonah's looking around the room, going, "Okay, the only guy leaving on the offense is Tyler Boyd, and maybe Joe Mixon's gone too, but the entire offensive line is going to be back. Joe Burrow's in the fold, and now the Bengals say that they're interested in giving me a deal for X." Maybe he maybe he runs that back. I mean, you're right. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he says, "I'm done. I had my run here. Let's go to a new opportunity. Let's go to a new challenge." But uh, yeah, I, I I think that if I I just think it's I, I don't I think it's premature to kind of cast it off and say, "Oh, he's absolutely gone." On you know whether he plays great, you know, kind of average or, or terrible, he's 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 absolutely not going to play for the Bengals in 2024. I, I think that there is absolutely a possibility of that. I mean, Mike, how premature of a thought is that? Like, what, what do you think of what, you know, me and Andrew are assessing with Jonah Williams's future? Are we thinking too far ahead? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I think there has to be a, a, an apology from the Bengals front office. Um, we haven't seen any sort of um, indication that they feel like they mistreated him at all. So I think that would be the biggest stumbling block aside from his play um, that would, you know, smooth things over to have him back um and if it came after he played well i mean that'd be kind of phony so uh, unless you know they unless they come back in training camp and he said they had a conversation you know if if they start the season and the bengals front office hasn't talked to him i could not see a scenario where he's back yeah i don't either like because at that point it's like okay you still didn't get an apology you still got snubbed no matter what happens at right tackle um and at that point, it's like, yeah, why would you want to come back? It's like when you know someone doesn't care about you, and in your head at least, you well, feel like someone doesn't so, care about okay, you. Why- okay, Muhammad, I got to cut you off there. Like, are we sure about that? Like, uh, doesn't care about you? Uh, like, I, I don't know. Like that. That yeah, okay? Seems- that was a stretch. I don't mean yeah, like that. Like, but- I, I, I don't even know if it needs to be like a full on apology. I just think it can be. Look, we should have explained to you what, like, a, almost like a clarification. I think you can just say we should have explained to you what happened. And we didn't. Here's why we did it. Boom, 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 boom. Like, Fair enough. I don't know because okay. that's a, that's a, that's the only conversation that would have needed. Like, if, if the Bengals called Jonah Williams 30 minutes before the the Orlando Brown signing was going to be made public, like, I, they're not going to say, "Dude, man, we're so sorry." Like, no, they're going to say, "Here's why we're doing this. Here's what's going to happen." Well, and we're the, move you over to well, right the, the, the sorry is for not 
talking to them and not engaging with them at all. Not for not not for making the move. Right. Sure. Apologies but... how they handled right. it. Right. Oh, of course. Not, I, not I just for... think that go ahead. Not for what they did, because like I mean, he even said like he, you know, he wouldn't have been happy about the move, but like I mean, ultimately that's football, right? But like the way they handled it in the months that followed was what the apology would be for, and just not be willing to talk to one of your players. Like I think that the front door, I think that the the front office should have an open door policy when a player wants to talk. I don't see any reason why they should be so reluctant to explain themselves or discuss things. Like it makes no sense to me. Well, because to me, I mean, like, if you can't have that open door policy, then to me, it's like, what are you hiding? Like, if you can't be transparent, then there's a lot of red flags there. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But no, I'm I'm with the mic on that. Yeah, because as far as the move goes, that's business. Like, even Jonas said himself, like, if they told me, oh, we're moving you and we're getting Orlando, like, he said, yeah, it would have sucked. But at least he knew in the moment that, like, they were honest and transparent. They weren't even transparent. Like transparency is a big part of any business, any industry. I mean, even in the NFL, like, I don't know if you can't even talk to the general manager, whether it's in this case, Duke Tobin, Katie Blackburn, whoever that person or persons is, that's a problem. Uh, and again, we'll see what happens going into training camp. Maybe when Joe Burrow gets extended, we hear from Duke Tobin and maybe he gets asked about that. And of course, again, there's two sides to every story. So maybe he has a side that we haven't heard. That's leading me and Mike to be a little bit harsh on them right now. But again, we'll see what happens with that. We're going to take a quick timeout, talk more about Jonah Williams on the field, uh, his ranking, uh, why we ranked him where we ranked him, uh, along with other things we haven't mentioned, plus much more to talk about right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we are talking about Jonah Williams, who is at number 19 on our list. Um, and again, I know uh, Andrew and Mike, I asked you guys about your rankings. I'm looking, you had him at 17, Andrew. Mike, you had him not far behind at 18. Um, and I had him at 21. So to be honest, the reason why I had him there, and it, it goes back to what I asked you guys about, you know, him moving to right tackle. Like how much does that change your perception and or the ranking? I mean, for me, it, it said a lot because here's the thing. We all agree he's going to win that job. Like, Lyle Collins is not starting week one. And even if he, even if Lyle Collins was healthy, I think Jonah Williams is beating him out. Like, I just think he's the better experienced tackle. But let's assume, like, think about this, you know, four or five weeks into the season, Jonah Williams looks awful. Like, this is, again, worst case, but it's still a possible scenario. Just looks awful out there. Does not look like his old self when he was blocking well that Super Bowl season. Just doesn't look anything like that. And let's say... You know, you're Zach Taylor and you decide to put Jackson Carmen in at right tackle or maybe I don't even know, like unless Cody Ford is playing at guard, you you plug and play with, you know, Jackson Carmen at right tackle. And then you have Cody Ford as the swing man if it's not Hakeem Adenogy, assuming Lyle Collins is still her, obviously. Otherwise, it's Collins. Point is, if he plays bad, like he there's a good chance he could get benched. Like, I, I really think there is a possible chance he gets benched for Jackson Carmen because Carmen, I don't think, is going to win the job. But if Carmen looks really good in camp and makes a really good case for being uh, the swing tackle slash backup right tackle and Williams is not good, I still think Jonah's vulnerable, which is why I think I had him more at 21 because I'm not even sold that he's going to be not even necessarily a surefire starter. He's a surefire week one starter we don't know if he's a full-time starter like do you guys think going into week one 
even though he's the starter, like how vulnerable do you think he is to losing the job to Jackson Carmen? I think, you know, it, it depends on what camp looks like. Uh, I think that, you know, when you, when you kind of go through, um, you know, the, the nuances of going from the left to the right, like I said, it's, it's not an easy transition. It's, I mean, you're basically inverting everything. So, you know, I think it, it just kind of depends on what camp looks like. Um, but, you know, I mean, we have to project here a little bit. Um, if Jonah can make the transition smoothly, I think he's going to be the starter. And and that's not going to be a position you want to pull the plug on after a week or two. Like you're going to want to give him some runway. So I, I don't think he's in danger of losing that job early. I think, you know, you're you're probably talking October at the earliest if if, you know, I mean, his play would have to be really, really bad for him Fair. to get yanked in the first month or so. So I'm th- I, you know, I, I just think you got to give him some runway as he uh, as he moves over to a new position, um, you know, because frankly, I mean, you know, Jackson Carmen played left tackle a lot last year, too. So Jackson Carmen, I mean, it, it's a little bit of a transition for him as well. Yeah, and I can't imagine him winning the job and immediately getting benched. I mean, that would mean it was a really close or, you know, like them feeling so confident and then benching him right away. I mean, that just wouldn't do anybody anything you know good because you know it'd be hard to go back to him at that point you destroy his confidence and um you're just you know you, you already burn more the, bridges that are already burned well like you're messing with the chemistry so I, I think if he wins the job out of uh camp you know he's going to be there for at least six weeks i mean it makes no sense to just bench a guy unless you know he can't block anybody but i mean you'd have to know that coming out of camp so i can't see him getting benched uh andrew said october i mean yeah so six weeks in the season a uh, month and a half, um, same kind of thing where uh, they're just not gonna they're they're not gonna be that rash. No, I mean that that's fair. I I didn't mean to say like week five. That that's pretty early. I I think it would have to come like really late in the year. And the thing is, if it this is a big if, like if it comes to that point, like he'd have to be really bad. Like he'd have to basically be. I mean, this is not an insult to Isaiah Prince, but like he'd have to be Isaiah Prince bad. Like Isaiah Prince only played that Super Bowl year because Riley Reef got hurt. So, like, you'd have to be that bad to get replaced, you know? Because, like, Isaiah Prince, well, he's not even on the team anymore. He's on Denver's practice squad, I'm pretty sure. So, like, he didn't even make much of a jump. So, you'd have to get – I mean, you'd have to be really bad. So, I, and I'm not saying he will get to that point. I'm just saying you, we, we really don't know, like, how his form's going to look, how his technique's going to look. Um, I mean, health is not going to be an issue. He'll be ready for training camp. He said that, and, you know, he looked like he, he you know, he's going to be ready. Um but I guess, like, as far as numbers go, and it, it's all subjective because with offensive linemen, like, every spot on the line is different from left to right, guard to tackle. I mean, the thing with the Bengals is they just have not really had good continuity at right tackle, like, since Andrew Whitworth left. Like, you, you look at the list. Cedric Obege, bust, first-round pick. A um, couple guys that came and went in between. And then you have uh, Riley Reef gets hurt. Isaiah Prince, I just talked about him. And now you have Lyle Collins, again, weird season last year, gets hurt. Jonah Williams. So they, they've really struggled. Like that, I think that position by itself, right tackle, they have struggled to do well at that position more than any other position in that span since like, what, 2016. Since 2016, they have struggled more at right tackle than any position on the roster. They've been able to figure it out everywhere else except that. So what does Joe Williams have to do to make it look like, even if it's just for next season, the Bengals finally figured something out at right tackle? Well, I don't think there's anything he can do because I don't think he's going to stay, so he's not going to be a long-term option. I mean, just for now, though, like just year. for 2023, I'm saying, for next year. 
Well, be good. I mean, have a successful year. I mean, what, what else is there to do? Like, mean, do, do like, how, like, like, how many, how many sacks? How many sacks can he allow? How many sacks like can he not allow? Like, because I know oh, I mean, it's I different. But... I mean, that's you know, I it, that doesn't I, you know, it, if he's not giving like multiple sacks a game, I mean, you know, if he's a functional player, I mean, it's going to be fine. I mean, that you you're, you're going to have a weakness on a line. I mean, you can't spend all your money on on one spot. They've got a huge amount of money invested in the offensive line. So, I mean, you know, Williams right now um, is that kind of, you know, the, you know perceived to be the weakest piece. But, I mean, you know, that's – and most teams would die for the, the front five that, that the Bengals have coming in. So, I don't I, – I think he'll be fine, you know, with with what he is. I, I, I don't I – mean, I don't think he's going to be a pro bowler, but I don't think he's going to be benchable, and I think that's fine for what, you know, what they have and uh, invested at the other spots. You know, they brought in – Orlando Brown, that's the guy, right? Um, and they spent you know, all that money last year. I mean, th this is just, a, I think the line is is going to be fine. Um, but, you know, Jonah Williams just has to, you know, if he did what he does, you know, if he plays how he played last year, I don't think you'd necessarily complain um, considering he's your fifth best lineman. Okay, no, I think that makes sense. You know, that's kind of what I was looking at is like, you know, how much do you temper the expectations? Because like, like you said, they've put a lot of money in this line. So like, do you have to have super lofty hopes? Like, do you kind of temper it down and say like, you know, Jonah Williams needs to be okay? Like, I think that's kind of what I was looking for. And that that's sort of what I was thinking. Like, th does that kind of make sense to you, Andrew? Like, for people who are like, oh, Jonah Williams has to go rah, rah, rah. Like, do you kind of have to temper those expectations and say, hey, just let him do what he did last year. Like, let him cook and he'll be fine. Like, is that kind of how you look at Jonah Williams at right tackle next year? Yeah, I mean, I would kind of retweet everything that Mike just said. You know, I mean, retweet. <laughs> you, you look at you look at what Jonah did in in 22. And I mean, a lot of the year he was hurt. You know, I mean, I think he was kind of battling through some stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, you again, putting numbers on it is hard. Um, you know, kind of putting, you know, putting anything, you know, that's, you know, quantifiable is hard, I think. You know, if you if you play well enough to where you're you're not an obvious liability, I mean, you would think that Orlando Brown Jr. is an upgrade. Cordell Volson is going to get better. Um, you know, you're, if you get the same thing from Ted Karras and, and Alex Kappa, I mean, you're going to be fine uh, on the offensive line. So as, as long as there's not like a glaring issue, frankly, I I I, it, 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 I would have a hard time kind of saying that you know, Jonah Williams would be the, like the scapegoat. I think he would be if the, like if the offensive line starts to struggle and there's not an obvious culprit, I think Jonah will probably be the first one to get blamed. Um, you know, cause on, on the outside you, you're, you're more visible. Uh, obviously fans are not going to be quick to blame their, their new free agent signee. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, as long as there's nothing glaring about, uh, about Jonah and in, 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 on the offensive line, then, um, you know, that'd be a pretty successful year for him. I think we can all agree on that, man, Jonah Williams, uh, center of a lot of attention and a lot of attention that is not going anywhere, not even close until training camp. So well, we'll be talking about him quite a bit. Once we get closer to the end of July, uh, we are going to continue our countdown and we are going to continue uh, ranking the rest of the guys on our list. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have some more Bengals fan stories, which um, they've been fun. And we've had some some cool Columbus cats. So we're going to have to see if we can get somebody from uh, outside of Columbus because we got to diversify the mix a little bit. So uh Stay tuned for that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, submit your response if you haven't already. And uh, make sure you sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter by going to cleveland.com slash newsletter. 
and click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter. It's easy, it's free to sign up, and it's in your inbox every morning. Uh, once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you on Thursday.